Welcome back to the Digitally Connected Podcast. I'm Joel Harder. For the next two episodes, Drew and I have a conversation with Representatives Colin Walkey and Josh West, serving in the Oklahoma House of Representatives. Now, we're going to be talking about a bipartisan piece of legislation, House Bill 1602, that they ran, otherwise known as the Data Privacy Bill. Now, why are we having this conversation? Why are we talking about a data privacy bill? Well, the whole idea behind the Digitally Connected podcast is that everyday people from all walks of life are living and working in an increasingly digital world. And we may not fully be aware of the things that are going on around us, the things that are going into the technology that we really are using every single day and dependent on to live and to work and to connect with the people we care about. Colin and Josh share what motivated them to run the data privacy bill, what it does, and why it's important right now. Now, it's very important for me to also share with you that we had some issues with Representative Josh West's audio, and we are incredibly grateful for his time and having this conversation with us, but the audio just didn't come out in a way that we could use it. So uh, the conversation you're going to hear is really just with Representative Colin Walkie, uh, and we'll have an opportunity to get Josh on the podcast in the future. So now let's jump into the conversation with Representatives Colin Walkie and Josh West on the data privacy bill in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now here are your hosts, Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Today we're talking about House Bill 1602 and everything that's involved in that. Can you just give our listeners a breakdown on what House Bill 1602 is and, and what it encompasses? Absolutely. So most people are probably familiar by now with the California Consumer Protection Act, the CCPA, which enables an individual to control their data by asking what data companies have on them and to delete that information uh, if they want to as well as to opting out of data collection. And so HB 1602 accomplishes the same sort of thing where an individual can request from a company what information they have on them, two, to delete that information, three, to have the company uh, tell others who they've sold that information to to delete it, also known as a right to be forgotten. And then four, it flips data privacy on its head and requires consumers to opt in to data collection or data sales. Right now it's backwards where you're already being tracked and your data is being sold without your explicit consent. This requires the explicit consent up front. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and I'm curious, what inspired that paradigm shift for you guys? And, you know, obviously we know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm just curious for you and what your, your personal involvement in that is and what jumped you into that. Yeah. So in 2017, I read the book Zucked by Roger McNamee, who was a, a hedge fund investor and early advisor to Mark uh, Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. And it really opened my eyes to, to what's being done with our data. And it's a lot yeah. more uh, devious than a lot, a lot of people think. And so that's what really got me interested in it. 
And then recognizing and realizing that opting out is what has gotten us to this point in the first place. And so the only real way to control data collection is by virtue of opt in. Because if you don't know who has your data, how do you know how to opt out? Right. Exactly. Colin, I'm, I'm kind of interested because, and we're going to talk a little bit about the whole, what's happening on the ground in our nation, in our culture, but this is a very specific policy solution. How did you and Josh kind of move from, you see this is an issue, something that's interesting to you, something that you think needs to be done, and then move to a real tangible policy solution, a bill with specific provisions? What made you focus on the provisions that are there, and how did you move from the general, there's a need here, to this is a way we can start working on this? Yeah, it's a great question. So, uh, Representative West and I, I, we were talking about these ideas more than a year ago and recognizing that this wasn't a partisan issue. This isn't a left or right issue. Right. It's a matter of privacy um, that we all have an expectation of. It's guaranteed in the Fourth Amendment to our Constitution. And so, Representative West and I, we held an interim study and we invited all sides of the industry to come and talk about their perspectives on what should be done for data privacy. And once we had that interim study, we took a step back and we said, okay, what's in place right now that we can look to? So we looked towards a Texas law that had opt out and crafted it from there. One of the other things that we looked to was the GDPR, which is the European privacy law. And the GDPR is also opt in. And so we recognize that, hey, opt in already exists. Uh, companies like AT&T, Verizon, anybody that operates in a website in, in the UK, et cetera, they have to comply with opt-in requirements. So it ought not to be that difficult for them to do that here in America as well. And so if opt-in is the gold standard, then that's what we should be doing. And it just so happened that recently Apple moved to opt-in. So consequently, any apps that are sold in the iPhone app store now have to be opt-in before they can track you. Again, proof of concept, proof that companies can do this. They just don't want to. Did Apple choose to do that on their own or was there already pressure coming from a legislative body or process to, to move to that? No, Apple did it on their own. As a matter of mm. fact, it's caused quite a fight between Facebook and Google and a lot of the other companies that don't want to switch to an opt-in platform because it actually reduces the number of individuals that will consent to giving away data. Because obviously, if we could, we would prevent people from selling information about our kids, our health information, our educational information. I've got all kinds of scary stories that I can tell you about. And yeah. Apple, uh, as good as they are about privacy, they recognize that this is the best way forward. And how did you and, and Representative West team up? I love that you have pointed out this is not a partisan issue, a, a Republican, Democratic issue. And of course, so much of our national conversation, that's all we look at is the parties and right-left divide. But y'all actually represent you know, very diverse districts it's urban and a more rural district and so this this is all of us are navigating a digital landscape so how how was it that you two came together to work on this yeah josh is my best friend in the state legislature period hands down you know i've got his back no matter what and so it was a natural fit for both of us to be able to join together on this issue because when people start hearing the the stories about what they do with your data and what they collect it becomes extremely terrifying and concerning. And fortunately, there's movies out there now like The Social Dilemma right. who help explain this type of stuff. And so it was just a natural fit because uh, we want to be able to show people that politics at the national level isn't the same at the state level. 
uh, that relationships and friendships are important. Um, and that while we do disagree vehemently on many issues, it doesn't mean I dislike Josh. Uh, and it doesn't mean that he dislikes me. It means that we have a different worldview. And so, and that's what makes legislation sometimes good and sometimes bad, but it's an area of compromise. And, and if people don't realize that compromise is kind of the key to success in this world, um, then we're going to continue to have divisions that drive us further apart as opposed to bringing us together. So we thought that this was a great way for all of us to come together for Oklahomans uh, and to stand up for what they believe in and what they need and what they want. You mentioned the social dilemma, and I remember watching that and deciding I was going to get off Facebook altogether <laughs> after seeing that that documentary. Of course, I haven't done it probably because I'm – we're going to talk a lot. Drew. Necessity. Yeah, it's right. It's right. And, you know, and Drew and I are, are, we've planned conversations in the future about this. And I, I see some of these platforms like Facebook is something I'm using less and less for personal connection. And it really is, it's just, it's where I do business. It's where you share things that you're doing with your company or your event, your organization. It's where you do advertising. But, but let's talk a little bit about social dilemma. Let's talk a little bit about some of these stories that y'all have come across. There was a real need that you saw in our culture to move forward and do this. What were some of those for you? Like, what does this data privacy bill specifically go in? And what's it going to start correcting and trying to address and alleviate and mitigate? Yeah, so at the 10,000 foot view, so to speak, the first thing that it does is it addresses our divisions, right? Uh, so recently we heard a lot of people upset about the fact that, you know, President Trump had been deplatformed by Twitter. Um, there was all this censorship going on and those sorts of things. Well, I've got news for everybody. If you're on social media, you're already being censored. You're being censored by virtue of algorithms. And so whatever I post isn't going to be seen by the majority of people. It's going to be by, seen by the majority of people who think like I think, who mm -hmm. like the things that I like. And that eliminates diversity of thought. And we have got to get past this lack of diversity of thought in our culture. And so that's the first thing that it addresses. But secondly, it addresses the problems that we see. For example, data brokerage companies buy and sell lists of rape survivors. They buy and sell lists of alcoholics in order to target advertising and those sorts of things um, to manipulate people. My favorite manipulation example is, do you all remember Google Glass, right? Yeah. You can yeah. connect to the internet. Everybody looks like schmucks wearing it. So what Google did was they took the software from Google Glass and they put it inside the game Pokemon Go. And so an individual is sitting there thinking that they're playing a game when in reality they're being tested for behavioral manipulation. The question is, will Colin Walkie go knock on a stranger's door to receive a reward? And they just think they're playing a game when really they're being tested. So, for example, advertisers would pay Pokemon Go to send people to their restaurants. Um, and it's that type of surreptitious, clandestine behavioral manipulation that is so scary and so terrifying uh, to me. And so those are some of the problems that, you know, and it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. Uh, if you had a smart TV, for example, you've probably never read the privacy policy on it, but it specifically says in there, and many of them, if you say anything in front of this TV, it's picking up what you're saying. And a lot of people think who have Alexas in their houses or whatever, that human beings aren't actually listening to what you're saying. And that's false. In fact, the scary part is it's not just that they're listening to it. They're listening to the more specific, detailed statements in there. So if I said the car is red, 
quality control for Alexa knows that most likely Alexa's picking up the car is red. Those are generic terms. But if I said a 1972 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia is picking me at my house at three o'clock today on Miller Place, well, those are specific, unique identifiers that somebody in quality control has to go through and make sure that what's been said was picked up accurately by Alexa. And so there is nothing left in the privacy world so long as you're connected to the internet, including school children. Uh, there's actually a company out of Canada that without parental consent has been asking students questions like, do your parents fight? Do they attend church? Uh, do they have drug or alcohol issues? Are you attracted to boys or girls? Do you have a crush on somebody? I mean, these types of mm -hmm. uh, extremely concerning questionnaires for sensitive aged kids, and that's where we're heading towards if we don't get a hold of this privacy uh, issue. I'm curious just to, and I agree with everything that you just said. I, I, I watched The Social Dilemma and terrified me, almost drove me to drink. Um, you know, just to your point in, in terms of what they do with our data. And I don't think anybody, you know, I, you, I think- Now you're gonna get ads. Yeah, exactly, right, yeah, no, that's fine. I got a good relationship, uh, you know, with the liquor store owner down the street, it's no big deal. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people, I think where people first got exposed to this was where, you know, you'd be having a conversation with your spouse, partner, your kid, a friend, or something like that in your home, around your phone, and then you went on Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and, and ads started popping up like, oh God, my wife and I were talking about buying a new car and hey, look, there's ads for new cars. Like, that's weird. Is they, is Facebook listening to me? I don't know, yeah. right? And, and But everybody thought, oh, that's benign. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And it's, it's terrifying. I, the question I have, I feel like there are some folks out there that would argue that there is um, necessity for some level of monitoring for security purposes, right? And I'm curious as to how, you know, one, what, what you and, and Representative West's opinions are on, on that, and how does 1602 allow for, you know, the protection of individuals' privacy to their data, as well as allow for uh, where there is some of that necessity? Yeah, now that's a fantastic question. It absolutely is because what, what Representative West and I did not want to do, right, is open people up to fraud or inhibit law enforcement's ability to catch the bad guys, those sorts of things. Right. And there's specific carve outs in there that allow companies to collect and maintain information even without opt in consent uh, for purposes of fraud detection, uh, criminal behavior, those sorts of things. Because the sure. point there is, is that if, if like your credit card company, right? If I, all of a sudden charges are being made in a place and for items that I don't typically purchase, boop, a red flag jumps up. No. But what doesn't have to happen is, is the credit card company then transfer my data to a third party so that they right. can sell it to China if they want, right? So right. as long as they utilize it for internal purposes, there's not an issue with that. Yeah, no, that, make, that makes perfect sense. In a follow-up to that, how do you, because to your point, I think there's been so much opt-out, right? And that's been the paradigm to date until Apple made this very you know, monumental shift. How do you see from a practical standpoint for the everyday user, how is that going to impact or do you feel like it's going to impact the way they go about other than, you know, you download a new app. Okay, I've got to opt in on what I allow. And I guess in addition to that, how do you feel like you're going to go about educating folks on how to more, because I don't think people are educated and I don't, I don't say that uh, in a negative way, but I just don't think people are educated on a, what people are doing with their data by and large. I think the Netflix doc was great in terms of, you know, kind of opening Pandora's box in some sense, but 
how do you feel like you need to go about educating folks on, okay, you have to opt into this. This is what you should opt into, or maybe not even should, because that's directing them in some way, but just how are you going to inform them on what to do with it? I'm, I'm just looking at it from a very practical standpoint. How do they go about changing the way they interact with their data and social platforms that are collecting that kind of data? Yeah. And, but yeah, before you jump in, uh, the, kind of the color I would add to that, uh, that's really where we're going with these conversations in general is, you know, we're talking about a policy, we're talking about specific protections, but let's just kind of take it down to the average person. I don't know, say they're sitting on their couch watching Baylor get into the NCAA championship and they're browsing their phone, you know, just the average normal, you know, yeah. you know red-blooded, red-blooded American, right? <laughs> no, but, um, I mean, they're sitting there browsing their phone. What is, it, what is it, what do they see? What is different in that experience for them? Yeah. No, that, that's, a, that's a great question because, because to your point, you're right. Even though this has been going on for roughly 20 years, the reality is, is most people still don't have a grasp of how in-depth this is. So, for example, one of the questions I received on the House floor when I presented this bill was, well, I've never had my identity stolen, so why should I care about this bill? Well, mm-hmm. Because this isn't about having your identity stolen. This is about having your identity exploited. This yeah. is about having the most sensitive information and conversations that you're having with your family exploited all for financial gain. And it really is going to be an educational process. So the first thing I would say in that regard is, is next session, I'm going to propose legislation that data privacy be taught in curriculum for all high school students. Because as you all know, the more connected all of these students are to various iPads and iPhones and whatnot, the more education they need to understand exactly what's happening. And also to give parents information about what's happening and it really is a matter of educating the populace. And I think that you're going to start seeing a bigger push publicly for these sorts of things. So, for example, instead of using Google, for most people have seen like DuckDuckGo. So DuckDuckGo is a search engine that you can utilize where you won't be tracked as you go from one website to another. Because if you're on X website, you may have cookies installed that will follow you to see where you go from one website to the next website to the next website so they know what you like. If you use a search engine like DuckDuckGo, that doesn't happen. But the problem with DuckDuckGo is is they use Bing's search engine, which is fine enough, but it's not as quality as, like, for example, Google. I mean, they've just got the most data sets, and that's what they do. Uh, But there's another website out there called StartPage, exact same thing, except StartPage uses Google's algorithm. And so it's educating people about these other services that exist in order to allow them to have a choice. Right now, people don't realize there's even a choice of something other than Google. And for, for example, like AT&T and Verizon, uh, Verizon was fined a few years ago because they told consumers that they could opt out of data tracking on their phone when they couldn't. Same thing with AT&T. They told people you can opt out when you couldn't. And the sad part there is, is there's no alternatives for data privacy people who, who want, who care about their data privacy for cell phone carriers. And that's a great area of need that I think the tech industry can fill. You're seeing the tech industry fill these privacy niches as people realize how important it is and how profitable they can be. And so it is a public education issue. And that's part of the reason why I'm going to propose legislation that it be taught in schools. You've been listening to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Harder and Drew No. Make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any of our new content we'll be dropping regularly. If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.